Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody. Here's a new episode of Luke's English Podcast. Uh, this one is sponsored by italki. And that's the service that helps you to arrange lessons and conversations with English native speakers and qualified teachers online. They have thousands of teachers for you to talk to. It's really convenient and flexible uh, because you can choose your teacher, uh, agree what kind of English lessons you would like, and then fix lessons according to your own schedule. And because you listen to this podcast, italki will give you a voucher worth 100 italki credits which is about $10 when you buy some lessons. Uh, lots and lots of Lepsters, lots and lots of listeners to this podcast are already on italki, improving their English all the time and having a great experience doing it. And you can join them, okay? You can become one of those people who's benefiting and really pushing their English further with italki. To get started and to get that discount, go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. Okay, so now let's get started with this new episode. And here it is now. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. So welcome back. Here it is, Luke's English Podcast again. Um, and the first thing I would like to say in this episode is that I've got some great news for the podcast and, well, certainly great news for me, um, and hopefully great news for you too as a sort of, uh, let's say, shareholder, shareholder, a stakeholder in Luke's English Podcast, especially if you're a long-term listener. I imagine that you you are sort of, you have an interest in this podcast. And I've got some great news to share, um, and that is that I've been nominated, or Luke's English Podcast, in fact, has been nominated for a British Council Elton Award. And this is really fantastic, and I am absolutely delighted, um, because the Eltons are basically the Oscars of the English teaching world, okay? They really are. It's like the Oscars for, for English teaching. Eltons, so that's E-L-T, English language teaching, uns. I'm not, you know what, I'm not entirely sure why it's called the Eltons. I don't know what the O-N-S stands for. I've been looking for the reason online and I think it's just a sort of, I may be wrong, but I think it's just a, a suffix which is added just to kind of give it a catchy name. So it's not Elton John. Elton John isn't involved as far as I'm aware. Um, I don't know if he's one of the judges. I don't think so. So it's nothing to do with Elton John or Ben Elton, the the uh, comedian and novelist. So they're not involved in this as far as I'm aware. Elton just means English language teaching uh, and it's just the name of the awards um, run by the British Council and uh, with the involvement of Cambridge English. And it is actually a very prestigious award in English language teaching. And I'm, I'm really delighted and honoured and surprised to be nominated uh, for this award. Um, so, uh, it, as I said, it's a real honour to be nominated. It, it's top level stuff. 
the Eltons. It really is. It's really top-level stuff. Um, the Eltons are run by the British Council and by Cambridge English, or Cambridge English are involved. And these are top institutions in the world of English teaching. Um, and uh, so I, I have won awards for this podcast before, as you know, because I've gone on about that quite a lot, you know, because I'm trying to... You know, I try. I mention the awards sometimes as a way of sort of reminding everyone that uh, you know that work has been put in to this project, and uh, it's sometimes it's necessary to kind of sell yourself a little bit. So I do mention the awards sometimes. Um, so I've won the Macmillan Dictionary Love English Awards uh, four times, um, and that's fantastic. That's been great as well. Uh, but for me, this is something else because the the Elton the the Elton Awards. Um, there's no voting involved. It's there, there's a panel of like special judges that are responsible for picking the winner and for the, picking the nominees as well. And they go through a very rigorous procedure for choosing the nominees and choosing the winner. Um, and um, as I said, it's all industry level people. And so while the the Macmillan Dictionary Awards. Um, really, that because that was based on voting from like listeners or voting from 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 just anyone could vote in that. Um, that was a great sort of um, vote of confidence from the audience and the people out there. Like so many people wanted me to win that they all went onto the page and they voted for me, and that was great. That was like a real vote of confidence. But the Eltons is like a different thing because it's like industry judges. Um, and I'm up against some really great uh, nominees, okay? Um, so the Eltons happen every year, and basically uh, the British Council uses um, this award in order to celebrate and reward innovation in English language teaching. And I'm nominated in the Digital Innovation category, or, sorry, Luke's English Podcast is nominated in the Digital Innovation category, along with five other nominees. You can find out the details of that. I'll, I'll put the um, link on the page for this episode on my website. But if you just search for British Council Eltons, uh, E-L-T-O-N-S, uh, you'll find the page. And uh, you can check out the other nominees and sort of read more about the judging process and all that sort of stuff, okay? Now, you might be thinking to yourselves, can we help? Can we do anything to help you win? Because um, I did put this onto Facebook uh, last week and I got loads of really nice comments from people. And some people were saying, you know, can we do anything? What can we do? Um, and well, no, you can't. As I said, it's all decided by a panel of judges. So there's not really anything you can do. Um and uh, so I'm, I'm aware, in fact, I'm aware at this moment that perhaps some of those judges have been checking out my podcast because, I mean, since I'm one of the nominees, I'm sure like, first of all, the, the, the Elton judges are checking me out. And also, since I'm now featured on the website, I'm, I imagine that various other sort of industry people and other people that are new to the podcast have been having a look um, so I'm, I'm now aware that, that even at this moment, even at this very moment, that some industry people might be investigating my podcast. Um, and some of the judges might be listening to this right now. So if you are a judge in the Eltons, or if you are a bigwig of the TEFL industry, then hello. Um, welcome to my podcast. I hope you like it. I hope you consider it to be a genuine innovation in the world of English, uh, language teaching. Um, 
in its own way. Uh, I am delighted to be nominated and to receive some recognition from the industry after working on this podcast for over seven years. Um, so let me just introduce you to my audience, because I don't know if you've noticed, but there's, there's there are loads of other people here too. It's not just us, but there's loads of other people. Let me introduce you to my audience. So uh, Tefl industry people uh, meet the Lepsters, um, and industry people, industry people, Lepsters, Lepsters, industry people, there you go. You've been introduced formally. Lepsters. Uh, they're called Lepsters because that's the uh, that's Luke's English podcast, L-E-P, Sters. So you've got Eltons. I've got Lepsters. Um, so, I don't know. You know, acronyms. What are you going to do? Um, I came up with Lepsters. So uh, Eltons, meet the Lepsters. Lepsters, meet the Eltons. Right, good. So you're, you're now acquainted. Um, everyone's very nice and friendly around here at, uh, uh, in, in Lepland. So just, you know, make yourself comfortable. Pull up a chair. Can, can I take your coat? Just feel free to relax, have a biscuit or a cup of tea or indeed both. Uh, if you fancy that, if, you, if you're a dunker, if you like to dunk your biscuit in the tea, go, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. You can slurp your tea as well around here. I don't mind. I'm not going to judge you. Okay. Um, so basically just relax. Take it easy. Uh, this is a no pressure zone. Um, and, uh, you know, just take it easy. Mi casa su casa. Okay. I think that's how they say it in Spain. That is Spanish, isn't it? Of course. I don't normally do that, by the way, judges. Uh, it's pretty much 99.9% English on this podcast, as you'll be, you'll be glad to know. Anyway, I'm rambling as I usually do, but that's kind of the idea of this podcast, as you will see, if you stick around, if you do continue to listen. Um, so anyway, that was just a little nod to the Elton judges, or in fact, any high-level industry executives who might be listening to this. Um, So there is a red carpet awards ceremony for the Eltons on the 2nd of June, and I'll be going to that. Um, It's, it's, you know, it's a glamorous occasion. So I'll be dressing up in a nice suit um, and going along for that. It's going to be fun. Um, I don't think I'll win, to be honest. I mean, I... I mean, I would love to win. It would be amazing and unexpected um, because, you know, when I set out, when I started doing this, I didn't necessarily do it with the, first of all, with the expectation that I would, that it could ever be nominated for an Elton, really, or even the intention of doing that either. But as it's grown and become more significant and the more I've invested my time and effort and energy into it and the more audience members have invested their time and effort and energy into it, the more it's grown into this thing, which I think now is a genuine vehicle. It is a kind of, uh, uh, it's almost like a sort of an institution, a personal institution. Uh, Maybe that's overstating it. It might be a little bit. But anyway, what I'm saying is I care about it a lot because I've invested in it a lot. And I never imagined that I'd be nominated for an Elton. It's amazing. And I, I, I would be very surprised if I won. I'm competing with some excellent work by other nominees and i wonder if 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 my work on a podcast will be recognized i have no idea because you know a lot of the other nominations are sort of published work uh you know industry publishers and well-established um uh authors and other you know top level industry people and their products are nominated in in many of the categories um and here's me with my (laughs) my podcast in which I ramble on about all sorts of 
silly things like Liam Neeson and stuff. Um, I, it would just, I'd be delighted. I would be delighted if it won. If, if talking about Liam Neeson on a podcast can win you an award, then I want to live in this world, you know? It's obviously, it's not just Liam Neeson. Don't let me give you the impression that I just ramble on about movies and things, although I do like to do that and my audience enjoy that. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of pedagogical, pedagog- pedagogical content. Tons of English teaching goes on. I'm not going to bang on about it that much. Um, you can listen to the back catalogue if you have the time uh, and check out some of the the more sort of language uh sort of focused episodes in in there um so i you know i've no idea i've no idea how i'll do if i'll win this uh, i do think podcasting is an innovation because i think it allows teachers to connect with learners of english in a new way and it allows learners to connect with the english language in a new way um I, you know i've got a sort of long running relationship with my listeners and i think that i think that is tremendously important in allowing my listeners you, I'm talking to you now, of course. Uh, I think it's important in allowing you to really plug yourselves into an authentic source of English. Um, I mean, you could probably, to be honest, listeners, you could probably uh, explain in uh, maybe more um, subjective terms how this podcast genuinely does help you to learn English. I mean, you might already be convinced of that especially if you're a long-term listener to this. You can leave your comments on the page for this episode and, you know, tell me uh, and possibly any other visitors who are coming onto the page, leave your comments and show the world, or even if it's just me and, and the other listeners, but, you know, share your comments. How has this podcast for you been an innovation in English learning? Is this a new thing? You know, is this genuinely new as a way of learning English? this podcast. Let me know what your thoughts, okay? I'm curious to know what your thoughts are um, on this subject. Um, So, um, you know, I'd be very surprised and I would be completely bowled over to win because the other nominations are brilliant. Um, So, as I've said, I've I've basically been working away on this podcast on my own pretty much for years. And, well, you know the story, Okay, you know the story. But anyway, I'm delighted to be nominated. Is that clear? <laughs> have I have I made that clear yet? So, listeners, you you can't vote in this one, but please keep your fingers crossed. Keep your fingers crossed and your toes crossed as well. Um, which obviously in in English, if you keep your fingers crossed, it's like a way of sort of hoping or praying. Even it's a superstitious, it's a silly superstitious thing that we do. Keep your fingers crossed. It just means you know hope and pray. For, for something good to happen. Um, I think that the, the more established my podcast becomes, then the more I am able to do this podcast regularly in a, in a bigger way. So I think, you know, winning the award would not just be satisfying for me and my listeners, but I think it would be healthy for the podcast. Um, and I have so many plans for other entertaining online services for learners of English, which I could work on if I had the chance. And I think that making my podcast even more established is a great way to allow me to do that. So anyway, so back to this new episode of the podcast. So I've been away from Luke's English podcast for about three weeks now. Um, It seems like ages. I don't know if it seems like ages to you. It seems like ages to me because I I suppose I'm just used to doing this podcast regularly. And so when I don't do it for a while, it's just sort of like, 
I really noticed that I haven't done one, you know, and lots of these, I have lots of these thoughts and ideas like, oh God, got to mention that. I have to say that on the podcast. Maybe I'm sort of uh, slightly compelled to do these episodes now. It's like some sort of weird obsession. Anyway, I've been away for three weeks. I'm very happy to be back. There are so many things to talk about. Some of those things are about uh, just what I've been up to, which, you know, on balance are not that important in the grand scheme of things. Uh, So we've got stuff I've been doing. And then other things are about what's been going on in the world in general, which is more important. Um, because it seems to be an intensely busy and dynamic time at the moment in the world, don't you think? It seems to me that there are just so many big events and big things happening in politics and in sport and entertainment and stuff like that. Um, So I'm going to try and kind of mention a lot of those things in this episode. By the way, what you're listening to now, after over 15 minutes, this is still the introduction to this episode, right? Um, These introductions go on quite a long time sometimes. Uh, What about language? What about the English language in this episode? Will there be any language teaching in the episode? Well, mainly in this one, I'm just talking to you directly about some topics and anecdotes and things. But if you are in the mood to focus only on the language and you couldn't really give a monkey's about what I'm saying, um, then uh, here is a little task, okay? And I'm going to give you a language task uh, in order to just sort of satisfy the language learners out there, the the bookworms, you know. Um, I came up with a load of... I came up with a load of nicknames for you guys, didn't I? Do you remember that a few episodes ago? It's all good and well, Luke, coming up with nicknames for the listeners, but you need to then remember those nicknames. What did I call the people who study well? Study, did I call you English language learners? Anyway, I'll have to reconsult that list. So for the language learners, for the dedicated language learners, I think that's what it was. Uh, for, the, for the DLLs out there, the dedicated language learners, here's a little task, a language-related task, which will allow you to focus on some target language during this episode, okay? So during the course of this episode, or maybe several episodes, depending on how long this goes on for, during the course of this episode, I'm going to use at least five phrasal verbs and at least five idiomatic fixed expressions at certain moments, okay? Um, All right, you got that? Uh, At certain points, I'm going to use five phrasal verbs and five idiomatic expressions. They will be distributed evenly, sprinkled uh, throughout the episode, all right? So I've I've randomly chosen these phrases and expressions from a couple of dictionaries that I just have lying around. Because as an English teacher, obviously I have lots of grammar books and <laughs> phrasal verb dictionaries just lying around, of course. Um, I wonder if you do too, as a language learner, do you just have sort of language learning materials just sort of lying around and you can kind of pick them up and consult them easily. Maybe you do. Maybe you just use your phone because a lot of these things are available as apps and stuff. Um, So anyway, I've got... Here I've got the... Hear that? I don't know if you can hear that, but that's the sound of a book. Um, So... Okay. So uh, I've got uh, a, a phrasal verb dictionary and an idioms dictionary here. And uh, what I've done is I have selected uh, five phrasal verbs and five idioms, all right? The, um, 
what am I using? I'm using the Cambridge Phrasal Verb Dictionary and the Oxford Idioms Dictionary, both of which are, of course, very nice dictionary dictionaries published by lovely, wonderful publishers. Hello, industry people. Um, so, listeners, your challenge is this. Just try to notice the five phrasal verbs and the five idioms as they come up in the episode. Now, I, I'm I'm sure that I'll end up using other phrasal verbs and a few other idioms as well as I just sort of speak naturally in the episode. Uh, but there are five phrasal verbs, five idioms that I have specifically chosen out of the dictionary uh, and I'm inserting them into the episode. All right. So, so um, it's that that could be a little bit difficult for me because I don't want this. I don't want it to be too obvious and too clunky when I've added a phrasal verb or an idiom in there. I don't want it to be really obvious. I'm going to try and sort of add these phrases in seamlessly as I'm talking. Okay, and your job is to try and notice the ones that I'm seamlessly adding in, all right? So as as we move forwards, you you will be looking out for any phrasal verbs that come up and you'll be keeping your eyes peeled for idioms. I say keeping your eyes peeled. Obviously, you'll be trying to hear them, not see them, but you know what I mean. Don't you? Don't you? You know what I mean, right? Um, Do you know the expression to keep your eyes peeled? Keep your eyes peeled. Well, that that's an idiom. That that's an idiom, isn't it? There you go. Ding. There's that's not one of the five, by the way. That's just a bonus extra idiom to sort of demonstrate my point. So, um, do you know that expression to keep your eyes peeled? Um, this is an idiom which means um, to be on the lookout for something, to be ready to see, or to be ready to notice something. It basically means keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes peeled. Now, you can imagine an orange, okay? An orange, the fruit. And, you know, if you want to eat an orange, you have to peel it, don't you? Sort of remove the skin. Similarly, you can keep your eyes peeled, meaning keep your eyelids, keep the eyelids open, okay? So that's like keep your eyes peeled. You can imagine keeping your eyes wide open, ready to see something. Keep your eyes peeled for the police, for example, okay? I remember... I think I remember the first time I I learnt this phrase, and that's when I was in my dad's car. For some reason, I have a lot of memories related to being in my dad's car. You might have noticed, but in this on this particular occasion, I was in my dad's car, and I think we were on the way to watch a football game when I was a kid, and my dad said to me, "Keep your eyes peeled for a parking space," and it struck me in the car. I mean, I was already sort of feeling quite excited about the football match. Um, And so, you know, sort of, um, it was an exciting day. Maybe that's why it sticks with me. You know, the excitement of being in the car, trying to find a parking space to get, you know, to park outside the the football ground to then go in and the atmosphere of the game and stuff like that. And I remember my dad, as we were finding, trying to find a parking spot, he said, keep your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes peeled for a parking space. Um, That stuck with me. Maybe it's going to stick with you as well. Keep your eyes peeled. Just keep on the lookout for something. Um, so um, now, so I like that one. Now, in, of course, in this case, you're you're listening. You're not looking. But still, perhaps the equivalent for your ears would be something like prick up your ears. Prick up your ears, meaning kind of get ready to hear something. 
you know, like a wild animal. You can imagine a wild animal in a field that hears a noise, you know? You know, like when a fox or a cat hears a noise and its ears go up a little bit, like the ears just sort of go ding, like that. Um, its ears suddenly stand stand to attention in order to listen very carefully. Prick up your ears. So, uh, to prick up your ears, prick, P-R-I-C-K, prick up your ears. Now, if you're reading a transcript of this, then obviously you can keep your eyes peeled. But if you're just listening, uh, then, uh, you know, you prick up your ears and look out for idioms and phrasal verbs or listen out for idioms and phrasal verbs. And yes, uh, there were a couple of phrasal verbs as well. Did you notice? Um, I had, uh, amongst others, already in this episode, already you've had listen out for and look out for as well. They're quite easy phrasal verbs, really, look out for and listen out for, because the meaning of the phrase is quite obvious, isn't it? You know, listen out for something is similar to listen, you know? Uh, It's a bit more specific. Listen out for something is like, you know, keep your ears open and be ready to hear a particular thing. And look out for something is keep your eyes open, keep your eyes peeled, be ready to see a particular thing as well. So, Look out for something. Listen out for something. They're quite easy. Let's say they are kind of... They're quite literal phrasal verbs, aren't they? Some phrasal verbs are more difficult because the meaning is not really connected to the verb in the phrase. Okay? Like, for example, give up. Give up smoking. Give up smoking. We know what give up smoking means because it's a very common phrase. You know, give up something. And it means to quit or stop. But... It's very idiomatic because give up, we know what give means, you give someone a present and up we know is like, you know, towards the sky. So give up smoking, were you kind of like presenting your your cigarettes to God as if to say, God, please take these cigarettes from me. I know I no longer wish to uh, to smoke, you know, no, that's not what's happening, is it? No. So I don't know why give up means quit. It's an idiom. And that makes it more difficult. So there are easy phrasal verbs in a very simplistic way, easy phrasal verbs and difficult ones. The easy ones are, you know, literal. The meaning is quite clear. The difficult ones are idiomatic. The meaning is more uh, metaphorical, let's say, idiomatic. Yes. Okay. So anyway, watch out for... There's another one. (laughs) Watch out for phrasal verbs and idioms as they come up and you're looking for five of each. Okay. Um, uh, All right. So, oh, I should just give you a reminder uh, that uh, about phrasal verbs because I do have the phrasal verb uh, podcast, don't I? Um, Okay. I'm going to just say a couple of other lines about phrasal verbs now. So just in case you're not convinced about phrasal verbs, because I think some people aren't. Some people out there are like, eh, don't need them. They're too difficult. Eh, just won't bother. That's what a lot of people think. And I'm talking about learners of English. Native speakers of English, they just use them naturally. They've just learnt them, you know, through childhood and stuff. They're just lucky enough to have been born into it. But learners of English struggle with phrasal verbs because, you know, of the reasons given. Some of them are difficult because of the idiomatic nature of them. And also, they're confusing because they have prepositions, little particle words. Ah, that's confusing, isn't it? These little words. Where do they go? Do you separate the phrase or not? Uh, and also their verbs as well. So you have to deal with the, the different verb conjugations, you know, past tenses and stuff like that. 
Uh, it's all a little bit much. So a lot of people just sort of think, oh, no, I'm not going to use phrasal verbs. But watch out because phrasal verbs are very common in English. They are not slang, okay? Uh, they are, okay, they're a bit more informal than the more formal equivalent verbs. Um, but they are used all the time in many situations, you know, business situations too. Uh, they're not just something that we use, you know, in little specific situations. Phrasal verbs uh, permeate English completely and they're, they are absolutely essential if you want to learn natural English, British English or American English uh, or Australian or Irish or South, Af South African or New Zealandish, Kiwi, the Kiwi version of English. They all, of course, have phrasal verbs. So some of you, of course, know all about the subjects of phrasal verbs because you listen to my other podcast, which is called A Phrasal Verb A Day. And if you haven't heard of that, uh, just go to http colon forward slash forward slash. Don't need to say that, Luke. You don't need to say. Nobody says http anymore. Anyway, you can just go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash pv. P for uh, police and P for phrasal uh, and V for verb, PV, teacherluke.co.uk forward slash PV to check out my phrasal verb podcast where you can learn a different phrasal verb in, a, in each episode. And in, in those episodes, I teach you the phrasal verbs properly, quickly, without any mess, messing around or rambling. The episodes are really short, just a couple of minutes, and I'll teach you a different phrasal verb in each one with examples and everything. Okay? You can find a phrasal verb a day on iTunes. You can find it on the internet. Just Google a phrasal verb a day. You'll find it. Or just click the links on my website. So... As I said, uh, we've already had two idioms and two phrasal verbs at least in this episode, and we haven't even properly started yet. This is still the introduction. All right, so, um, so okay, you got it. You got the language challenge. Try to notice five phrasal verbs and five idioms. At the end, I will tell you the answers, all right? At the end of this, I will tell you which phrasal verbs and idioms I picked from the dictionary, you know, and I'll, and I'll explain what they mean so that in the end, you'll know, okay? Now, there are so many things to talk about that I'm not sure how long this is going to be. Uh, it, I, I'll just keep recording, and when I get to about an hour, you know, the average length, I'll pause and I'll carry on in the next episode. All right. Is that okay by you? Are you okay with that? Yes, you are. Good. I'm glad you said that because you haven't really got a choice, have you? <laughs> no, you, you don't. Uh, all right, then. So I'm glad you're okay with that. So now we can get started properly. I'm now going to ramble on. I'm going to continue rambling on. It sounds like rambling, doesn't it? It does. It sounds like sort of chaotic, unplanned speech. But it's, you know, to, to be fair, to, to, to defend myself against the accusation that it's just meaningless rambling, I would say that uh, it's conversational. It's, you know, it's informal conversational, isn't it? And it's actually, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a methodology that underpins uh, the, the approach I have for the podcast. Okay, uh, industry people. Uh, Humour is part of it. Anyway, right. So I'm now going to continue to ramble on about some more specific things, including some personal news and stories, some travelling stories, some world news and things, some politics, some movie-related stuff, and probably some other things that just come to mind while I'm talking. 
And remember to watch out for those five phrasal verbs and five idioms. So here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a journey into the English language. A journey into the DNA of the English language. Really? The DNA of the English language. Now that's a really quite a strong claim. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Who are you? You talking to me? You talking to me? You know who I'm talking to. I'm a school teacher. I teach English composition. Oh, really? Yes. I'd like to begin by just saying that, like, uh, just a couple of hours before I started recording this, I got a comment on the website from Mayumi, who I think is a long-term Lepster. I wouldn't say she's a, a, a Luke's English podcast ninja, because although she, I think she comes from Japan, and obviously that's the land, the original land of the ninja, isn't it? Uh, she's not a lep- she's not a ninja because she is a fairly regular commenter on the on the uh, website. So, uh, long term listener Mayumi simply wrote, first of all, "Hi Luke, hope you're well." She did then go on to leave another comment with more details, but the first comment was just, "Hi Luke, uh, I hope you're well." Well, in answer to your question, Mayumi, uh, I'm fine, thanks. And thank you very much for asking. Um, I hope you're doing well as well. How many times did I say the word well there? Anyway, um, I'm fine, Mayumi. And uh, and uh, I hope you're fine as well. Um, in fact, I've I've been very busy lately, lately. So it's it's good to be back, Mayumi. It really is. Let me just tell you what's been going on recently. So I've been... Um, up to my ears in exam marking. I've had loads and loads and loads of exam marking to do, which, as you know, um, is something that uh, happens like twice a year because I work at the university and I've got like these classes with lots and lots of students in them. And so twice a year, I collect in this big pile of exams and then I have to work my way through them all. Uh, marking writing, marking grammar, marking reading assessments and things like that and trying to do it in the proper way, uh, really carefully considering everything. And it takes a lot of time. And um, so partly it's been that, that literally every moment counts because I have to give the papers back um, to the students before they finish their academic year, so every moment counts, and I need to you know devote a lot of time to marking. So that's that's the first reason why I haven't been podcasting for a couple of weeks. I've just been just trying to get through all the marking, um, and also I, I had a holiday as well because um, we had a spring holiday in April here in France, and uh, two weeks. So the first week. Uh, we went away, my wife and I, my wife, my wife and I, I can't remember who it was, but someone a while ago commented on the podcast saying it's funny whenever I mention my wife, because I never mention her name. I always just call her my wife. And he said, I don't remember who it was who wrote this, but he said, it's funny when Luke talks about his wife, because he always says my wife. And it reminds me of the TV show Columbo, right? Now, ladies and gentlemen, you you must know Columbo. Everyone knows Columbo, don't they? I'm sure there are some people out there listening to this who don't know Columbo, uh, who Columbo is. But if you don't know Columbo, then um, he is. Let me explain. He is a um, uh, he is a, a detective, an American detective, and it's Columbo is a TV show, a really brilliant and classic 
TV detective show from the 1970s and 1980s. And Columbo was played by Peter Falk, I think. And basically, Columbo is a sort of he's, is a detective. It's set in Los Angeles, and he um, he solves crimes, usually murders, and he's got a particular way of doing it that he he seems to know. He seems to identify exactly who the murderer is from the very beginning, and it's very clever the TV show because we see the murder happen at the beginning of the episode, so we know who the murderer is, and it's really just a case of watching Columbo irritating the murderer throughout the episode until eventually the murderer cracks and Columbo arrests them. So so Columbo's got this particular style. He kind of looks like he's not very intelligent. In fact, he is. And he's always sort of talking about his wife. Oh, my, you know, I had just had to say, um, my wife, she's a huge fan of yours. And um, I was wondering if it might not be too much trouble if you could give her... Uh, your autograph and you know he's always talking about his wife so whoever it was who commented on my podcast that time um, I I agree with you uh, because I think it whenever I do refer to my wife as my wife it does make me think of Columbo as well so maybe what I should do in the future is whenever I mention her I should do it as Columbo so anyway my wife and I my wife and I we went to we went on holiday and we went to the United States of America, and you might be thinking, "What you went to the you went to America again?" Um, yes, we did go to America again, um, and there's there's a reason for that. I mean, obviously, we wanted to go because it's really interesting and really fun place to visit. But also, there's a, the main reason we went there is because we had these vouchers. Okay, now if you've listened to the episodes about the California holiday, the honeymoon that I had. Uh, in August last year, uh, then you might remember that we had some trouble with the flight uh, when we flew to um, to California. We had problems with the flight, and basically the flight was overbooked by United Airlines. United Airlines seem to have a history of doing this. They're not the most reliable airline based on the things I've read online and my personal experience. Uh, and often you might turn up at the airport. And uh, you try to check in and they tell you, sorry, the flight is full. And um, then it's really annoying because you have to try and negotiate with them. And there's a waiting list. You know, if people don't turn up, then you can get on the plane. And in this particular case, in August, we couldn't get on the plane. And uh, we were given compensation. So after a lot of stress and a lot of waiting around, they did agree to give us compensation in the form of these vouchers. So they gave us vouchers worth the equivalent of the flight that we missed, which, you know, I guess is, you know, it's it's a compensation. It was very inconvenient on the day and we were very pissed off. But in the end, we got the vouchers. And so we had to use those vouchers before August this year. And so, you know, we ummed and ahed. We were like, uh, where are we going to go? How are we going to use these vouchers? And it was very limited. The, the the places that we could go to were very limited. And essentially, we we could only travel to the States. Um, and I think we could have traveled to Mexico as well. And we planned to visit Mexico, but we thought we'd need more than a week. You know, we had about six days. So we thought, no, we're not going to go to Mexico because we want to spend more time exploring the place. And since we love New York, um, 
and I'm always ready to go to New York because I just think it's a fantastic place. We decided that we would um, use the vouchers to buy tickets to New York and the vouchers and the ticket price were almost exactly the same. So it was perfect. So we basically got free flights to New York, which was just great. Amazing. And we stayed in an Airbnb apartment in Brooklyn. We couldn't stay in an apartment in in Manhattan because it was all too expensive. It's just far too expensive. We needed a cheap holiday. Um, So we went for Brooklyn this time. Airbnb. Now, Brooklyn is awesome. It's a brilliant place. It's really cool and sort of trendy and a little bit hipsterish these days. Um, And it's a great place to stay. In fact, I think if we went back, I think we'd like to stay in Brooklyn again because it was just really good. I'll tell you a bit more about Brooklyn in a moment. Um, But anyway, we went to New York, right? So we went there for for six or seven days and um, I'm very lucky to have been able to go there. Let me tell you a little bit about about the experience in New York. So this is now the New York section of this podcast. Um, And uh, I mean, I will will go on to talk about other stuff, by the way. I'm not going to, you know, including politics, American election, London mayor, European referendum, Panama Papers, uh, movie stuff like Marvel movie stuff and other things, Leicester City, the football club. So these are the things I'm planning to talk about. Uh, But first of all, I'm going to talk about New York. Okay, so um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So, yeah, New York. All right. So the flight. Let's start with that. Um, We had absolutely no problem with the flight. It was brilliant because we were flying United. We thought, oh, God, maybe they're going to maybe they're going to overbook the flight again. That's going to be annoying. No problem. It was all great. Uh, The food on the flight wasn't great. I'll be honest. My review of the food was that it was quite disgusting. And, uh, you know, my wife, um, you know, she's she likes good food. And uh, this is is that? Colombo was that Robert De Niro. My wife, she likes good food. She does the food. I have to say, the food on the plane was not. It was not good. It was not good at all. And um, so the food was terrible. So that wasn't good. But the rest of it was okay. It's a fairly short flight. And one of the things I like about um, flying is the in-flight entertainment. And so I, after a while, I settled down. Um, and, uh, my wife, you know, she took a nap and then, uh, I decided, right, let's watch a film. Okay. So they had a few different films on there. I chose to watch The Revenant, the Leonardo DiCaprio film, The Revenant. Have you seen it? I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, this is the film that, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio won an Oscar for this year. So it's an Oscar-winning performance in an Oscar-winning movie. The Revenant basically is a uh, a revenge film. It's a sort of Western um, revenge movie. Okay, now I'm going to say spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, all right? Because I'm going to talk about the film a little bit. I say spoiler alert, but I understand that you probably don't want to stop listening to this. Probably some of you are thinking, oh, I haven't seen The Revenant yet. Don't spoil it. Like, I want to keep listening to this. I don't want to skip this. Okay, all right. I'll just talk a few... I'll say a few things about it without spoiling it. I won't reveal the ending. I'll try not to reveal anything that most people don't know. I think most people know 
like public knowledge about the revenant is that it stars leonardo dicaprio and that it's a western and that there is a bear attack in it it features an a, leonardo dicaprio has an attack is a, is attacked by a bear and then there's a revenge story as well okay so did i like the film yes i did i did i enjoyed it um I like this kind of film. It's my sort of film. I like westerns, first of all. I enjoy Leonardo DiCaprio in his movies. Um, I, th- I think he's got charisma. He's got star power. He's a genuine movie star. And I always enjoy watching him. I, he's just a really engaging presence, you know. Um, and also, I was just very keen to watch Leonardo Di- DiCaprio have a fight with a bear. I mean, obviously, in reality, that would be a horrible, horrific thing to to happen. But in the context of a movie which isn't real, I was quite I was quite curious to see who would win in a fight between Leonardo DiCaprio and a bear. Um, I'm not going to tell you the outcome of that, but uh, it was certainly a dramatic encounter. And, oh, it was pretty brutal, I have to say. It was a bit more violent and a bit more brutal than I expected. The... The way that they did the bear, I don't know how they did it. I suppose partly it was a real bear and partly it was a computer-generated bear, like a computer bear and a real bear. Probably they used special effects to create this bear, but it was very convincing and really sort of a really nasty encounter. The behaviour of the bear, like the body language of it, was like very um, realistic, very convincing. And... Basically, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is like in the forest and he doesn't expect it, but suddenly a bear attacks him. And it's very, very well directed, that scene. And then after that, things get out of control because they are out in this frozen land hunting for for animal skins. He's there with a few other people. And um, so they discover him. Um, after he's been attacked. And then basically the story is about them trying to get him back to to the the base camp. And it's quite a long journey. And various things happen along the way, uh, including sort of bad things that happen to Leonardo DiCaprio and his his, uh, son. And so it's all about the... uh, DiCaprio's mission to get revenge against uh, someone who's done something wrong to him. And essentially... It's a sort of survival film as well because DiCaprio sort of nearly dies about 10 times. I mean, it's it's incredible really how he manages to survive throughout this film. I I just I couldn't believe it really. Um it it stretched my my um uh what what's the word for it? My skepticism was brought into play a little bit. It sort of stretched the imagination a bit. It was a it was a bit sort of hard to believe that he did manage to survive some of these things. Like, he was, first of all, very badly injured by the bear. And then the freezing cold conditions, no food, um, you know, like, everything's wet and cold all the time. Um, And it must have been very uncomfortable. Plus, he falls off a cliff at, at, at some point. He gets stabbed, all these sorts of things. He's got a big hole in his neck. Uh, It's pretty gross, um, but you know, I don't mind a bit of a violent revenge thriller, so it was quite entertaining, really. Um, and Leonardo definitely deserved well, I say definitely deserved the Oscar. He certainly, um, it was cer- it certainly looked like hard work. And I couldn't help thinking while I was watching the film, I was thinking, you know, 
it feels like Leonardo DiCaprio is just making it look really difficult. He's like crawling through the ice and the dirt and bleeding and uh, not eating properly and, you know, getting... His, his socks must have been cold and wet for weeks filming this. And so it's almost like saying to Hollywood, like, what do you need me to do? I'll crawl through the ice and the dirt. Just give me an Oscar. It was a bit like that. And so at the end, it's like the, the Academy didn't really have any choice. They're like, okay, well, we better give him an Oscar. I mean, you know, it must have been very cold. Come on, let's give him an Oscar. Give him an Oscar and a cup of tea. There you go, Leo. Okay, there you go. Well done. Yeah, well done. It must have been very difficult. There's your Oscar. Now get back to movie making. All right. I'm being a bit cynical. It must have been a hard project to do. I mean, work creating a film is incredibly difficult. I mean, I've only ever done little scenes from um, comedy videos and things like that. And they're complicated enough. Like just what you what you don't see that the everything that's going on behind the camera is often incredibly complicated with all sorts of you know things like all the technology the cameras and the way that they have to set up the cameras so that they the cameras move smoothly the lighting um it's a whole a huge operation even when you just see what looks like one man walking through the snow there's probably like hundreds of people in the background doing other things like controlling the microphones and the lighting and making sure that Leonardo DiCaprio's socks aren't too wet and and all that sort of thing. So I enjoyed The Revenant. I did. I I enjoyed it. It wasn't the best film I've ever seen, but as a bit of just sort of gripping entertainment, it was, it was pretty good. Um, And uh, you know, like I've, I've, I admit during some of the scenes, I was on the edge of my seat. If that is possible when you're on a plane, because it's not like you have lots of room. But, you know, metaphorically, I was on the edge of my seat, okay? Um, and it was quite fun to watch Leonardo come up against all of this, all of these difficult problems and things as, as he went through the film and to see how he solved them all. There's one moment where he climbs inside a horse. Yep. He actually climbs inside a horse, like literally. His horse dies and, you know, he's in a frozen wasteland and so the horse happens to be the warmest place. And if, you know, he he needs to spend the night in the horse in order to survive. So there's a moment where he kind of cuts open the horse and climbs inside like Bear grills or something. Yeah, pretty, pretty gruesome stuff, but uh, impressive. I don't think it was a real horse, of course. I doubt that Leonardo DiCaprio actually climbed inside a genuine horse. Maybe he did. I don't know. I haven't read about the making of the film. Uh, But that was pretty disgusting. Um, But, you know, we've seen that in movies before. In um, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, there's a scene where Luke Skywalker um, is attacked um, in the snow by uh, the Wampa. That's the snow beast. And um, he manages to sort of chop the arm of the Wampa off, sort of like defends himself and escapes. And then he's like in the snow, in a snowstorm. And luckily, Han Solo, his friend, rescues him. Um, and uh, Han Solo decides the only way to keep Luke warm is to uh, slice open uh, the tauntaun, which is like a sort of a camel horse thing. He slices it open and pushes Luke inside to keep him warm. So we've seen that. We've seen this kind of thing before. And also the survivalist Bear Grylls 
did it in one of his TV shows where he, I think he climbed inside a camel. You know, this is disgusting, isn't it? Okay, I'm not going to stop talking about it. I'm going to stop talking about that now. So anyway, The Revenant was fun. Um, and um, so, yeah, we stayed in Brooklyn. Now, you know about New York, of course. There are five boroughs in New York. Oh, let's see if I can name them all. So there's Manhattan, there's Queens, there's the Bronx, there's Brooklyn, and then I think it's Staten Island. Is that right? Okay. Well, any American people, or in fact, anyone who just knows, <laughs> anyone who's got more general... I went there. I should know. I could e- I could also check it out on the internet, but you know, you can let me know if that was right or wrong. So we stayed in Brooklyn. So you've got Manhattan Island, and then just to the right and sort of to the south a little bit, uh, there's Brooklyn, okay? And there are a couple of bridges that connect Manhattan to Brooklyn. There's the Brooklyn Bridge, and then there is the Williamsburg Bridge. I think there may be others. I think it might be three bridges. Williamsburg Bridge, the Brooklyn Bridge, and the Manhattan Bridge as well, I think. And so Brooklyn's just there to the southwest Southeast, sorry, of, of Manhattan. And it's a more residential area. You don't have the high-rise buildings and stuff like that. It's a residential area. And these days, it's quite gentrified. Um, it used to be a lot poorer than it is now. Um, and nowadays, it's a very nice neighbourhood to live in. And the standards of living there are very, very good. And it's it's got a sort of more local, villagey feel to it. Um, property prices are lower than they are in Manhattan, but they're still pretty expensive, really, by most people's standards. Um, and it's really nice. There are lots of these, lots of bars and cafes and little restaurants and uh, delis, uh, you know, deli, delicatessens and little supermarkets. And because of the sorts of people who live there, they, they tend to be cool kind of media type people, you know, hipsters, like trendy people who... Um, uh, perhaps don't have as much money as older, you know, executive business people, but they have particular tastes. They like the organic food, and they're a bit like hippies, you know, modern hippies, hipsters. So you get all these hipsters with their sort of beards and their trendy clothes and their laptop computers and their Wi-Fi connections and their trendy coffee shops and stuff like that. Um, lots of that sort of thing. Which is quite nice. I mean, you know, hipsters are a little bit annoying sometimes, but actually the world of the hipster is, is quite a nice place to be. And there's often really good, really healthy food and lots of other cool stuff like vintage clothing markets and uh, and um, nice outdoor flea markets where you can buy old stuff like old record players and like these vintage clothes and they have um, outdoor uh, food markets where you can buy like really delicious sort of lo- delicious New York food like sort of pulled pork and brisket sandwiches like these are these slow cooked uh, meats uh, which are served with like spicy sauce and green peppers and things like that and you get like really nice pizzas and uh, uh, smoothies and all that sort of thing so we spent a few days wandering around in Brooklyn, visiting flea markets and doing bits of shopping and just hanging out. Uh, And luckily, the weather was great for most of the week because in New York, the weather can change. Uh, In the winter, I think it's brutal. It's really cold and and it can be, you know, you can get lots of snow there. Uh, But the summers are very hot. In April, it's a bit of both, but um, we were lucky. We got 
mostly sunshine and it was surprisingly hot in the sun. So we did get to get some sunshine. That was nice. 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 That was nice. It was nice as well. Get the sun on the skin. You know, it's important after a winter in Northern Europe where you don't see the sun very much. It was nice to spend a week getting the sun uh, and exploring and having a a nice time and uh, doing lots of walking. We walked for about 15 kilometers a day we did it we we got about 100 kilometers done in the week we did loads of walking and um because uh my wife and i my wife and i we have these apps on our phones you know you probably have them too with your smartphones and they can calculate the number of steps that you take every day and it also counts the distance that you've travelled. So we were kind of like checking out the the apps and seeing how far we were walking. Uh, about 15 kilometres a day, which is not bad. It's It felt healthy to do all that walking. Um, so that was Brooklyn and some of the things we saw in Brooklyn. Um, uh, hipsters and stuff and a, and a really nice community feeling as well. There are lots of families living in Brooklyn. It looks like a great place to bring up kids because... Um, you know, you've got the cool urban stuff, but also there are, there are, you know, these big parks with lots of green spaces and a sense of community, a really good community feeling and a multicultural place as well. Like, like New York, Brooklyn, incredibly multicultural places. They're like, it's a melting pot, you know, that cliche. It is a melting pot because you've got all these different cultures that have mixed in together. And it's a good example of multiculturalism. I mean, it's a successful multicultural community. I mean, you know, you get people arguing that multiculturalism doesn't work and stuff like that. But I disagree. I think that when the conditions are right, when people um, are open-minded and when there is a strong culture in the place, like like the culture of New York is very strong. It's a vibrant uh, cultural centre. And so there's a lot to feel good about. And part of that, I think, is the fact that so many different cultures have lived on top of each other, next to each other, side by side, very successfully over the years. And so there's this feeling that everyone's like really cool and chilled out about the different cultures. They, you don't get that sense of tension that you get in some places where different cultures are living side by side, but they're not li- really living together. In Brooklyn, you seem, you know, there's like, there's just so many different types of people. You hear different languages being spoken and things like that. And everyone seems to be happy and getting along really well. You see, for example, you know, on a Saturday afternoon in the park, you see different types of people chilling out on the grass and they play softball in the park, you know, and it's like this, you get the sense that people are proud and actively taking part in the community. It was really good fun to be part of that. Um, I have done an episode about New York before on this podcast. Um, A couple of years ago, we went to New York. We stayed in Lower Manhattan. No, in the southeast side. Lower East, that's it. The Lower East side of Manhattan. And I did a full episode about uh, what happened there, including some different stories and stuff like that. So you could check that one out. It's a similar story. We did some of the same things and it's, you know, similar story there, really. So check out the New York episode that I did uh, a couple of years ago if you want to hear more. Um, We basically did the same thing as that, but we tried to spend less money. Um, 
What else? Oh, I could talk about other things about New York. For example, I went to the Natural History Museum. So one day, my wife and I decided to sort of split for the day. She went to do some shopping in some shops that I wasn't really interested in. Because, you know, ladies, women um, out there... It, I know that you like your boyfriends, your partners, your 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 husbands to go shopping with you. I know that you like us to be there because you need someone to to sort of talk to. You need to show us the clothes that you're going to buy, and you want us to be part of it. You want us to be interested. But look, let me break it to you, okay? Most men are not that interested. All right, we're not really that interested in talking about it. It's 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 boring for most of us. All right, now. We're not going to say that because we don't want to upset you. And obviously, you know, um, being in a relationship is about doing things for your partner and and making them happy because you want your partner to be happy. Um, But men listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. When your girlfriend or your wife drags you around the shops and you're like, you know, you just think to yourself, can, is it, would it be possible for me to just sit in a, in a cafe or in a pub for two hours while you do this. I, I'll be there. I won't go anywhere else. I'll just stay there and you can do that and then you can come back and meet me. But, you know, you can't really say that because you have to be there to give your opinion and things like that. So that's quite tricky. It's quite a tricky situation for a bloke when your wife says, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Because you have to be a little bit careful and quite diplomatic about the feedback that you give. Because Okay, between men, you a man might say to his friend, what do you think of this T-shirt? And your, your friend will say, nah, it's shit. <laughs> or, no, you look stupid in that. Or, no, nah, don't like it. Or, in fact, to be honest, men wouldn't probably ask each other. They'd just be like, I bought this. What do you think? And your friend goes, yeah, it's pretty good. That's it. That's the end of the conversation. But um, it seems, I mean, I'm not saying it's always true. But it seems that uh, women like to have more of a conversation about the the clothing that they're buying, which is great. But if you're a man, it's it, you know it's just not as interesting for us. Plus, we don't want to say the wrong thing. Anyway, what am I trying to get at? I don't mind going shopping with my wife as long as there is a seat, as long as there's somewhere for me to sit down while she's walking around the shop. So we go in, and immediately she's looking for the bargains, looking for the good dresses and and bits of clothing, and I'm looking around like, where's the seat? Where's the little comfy seat? And I and I'll drift over. And some, to be honest, I I do ask her permission sometimes. Doesn't make me a, it doesn't make me any less of a man, but sometimes I'll say. Do you mind if I just sit down here while while you're looking? I'll just be here, you know. Just come and uh, come and speak to me. But I'd rather sit down. Um, yeah. So anyway, there was a bit of that. And one afternoon, uh, my wife, my wife, very kindly was like, "I tell you what, I'll. You don't have to come with me. I'll do a few hours of shopping. You can go to the Natural History Museum." And I was like, "Result? Okay, I'll go to the Natural History Museum because I love." natural history museums. I love dinosaurs. Okay. I love space. You know, I love the planets and I like to explore these amazing museums. Like in London, the nat- the natural history museum in London is just brilliant. It's a must see. If if you go to London, you've got to check out the museums. They're free as well, which is mind boggling. The Natural History Museum in London, the Science Museum, the Victoria and Albert Museum, uh, you know, the V&A, 
the Tate, the Tate Modern Art Gallery, the British Museum. Absolutely brilliant. You can see some of the most amazing things in, in the world in these places. And in New York, there's the American Museum of Natural History. And I love that place. I just love it. Um, just because of the incredible things that are in there that every, that you can see and you can explore these incredible ideas. So I thought, right, I'm going to go to the Natural History Museum this afternoon. That's going to be my mission. And I think I had about two and a half hours. So, so you know, the wife went shopping. I went to the Natural Muse uh, History Museum and we agreed, okay, two and a half hours. That, that sounds good. So I left my wife at 12 with the plan that we'd meet up at 2.30 to have lunch. And I thought, two and a half hours, fantastic. Plenty of time to explore all the dinosaurs and to take a journey through space. Now, actually, two and a half hours was very ambitious. Not ambitious. I don't know, but two and a half hours wasn't realistic. That's the word. Two and a half hours, definitely not enough time. So here's what happened. Um, took me about 30 to 40 minutes to get to the museum, first of all, because I had to take the subway and then I walked uh, from one of the subway stations. I didn't take the subway all the way because I wanted to walk through Central Park a little bit, but I underestimated the distance. You know, I underestimated with it. Uh, underestimated the dif distance, and um, uh, and uh, and I just sort of like, yeah. It took me ages to walk through Central Park. It's like huge. America's really big, and. Um, so it took me a while to get there. It took me about 30 to 40 minutes to get there. And then, of course, there was a queue to get in. So I went to the back of the queue. It took me about 10 minutes to get in. So queued up, got in, and you enter the, the main hall, the sort of entrance hall, which is a very impressive place because there, there are these big, um, you know, high ceilings, and on the walls, there are these quotes by um, Theodore Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, the president who um, sort of um, was really responsible for um, America's things like America's national parks. The, the, the national parks in America are some of the best things about the country. And these are places like Yosemite National Park and uh, Redwood National Park and Yellowstone Park and places like that. These parks are wonderful places of natural beauty. And if you go there, you can see some, you know, incredible things. And there's great wildlife and uh, stunning scenery. And Roosevelt was the one, the president, who understood the importance of these places for American culture and stuff like that. And he decided that these places should be protected. They should be owned by the state. Uh, it, they should be um, open for the public to visit and stuff like that. So, you know, Theodore Roosevelt, good job. And he had lots of, there are lots of his quotes in the museum because he's, I think he also established the museum as well, or at least the museum was established in his name. And lots of his quotes are there. And it's nice to sort of like, you know, stand in the hallway and soak up the atmosphere of America in the early part of the, the last century. And, you know, it's pretty inspiring stuff reading his quotes about, uh, you know, the, having the right attitude and a certain spirit and and, and how nature and uh, the land is related to that. It's, it's, it's good. It's positive stuff. That was nice. But... The museum was full, absolutely packed with kids, 
kids everywhere running around, kids screaming, stressed out parents, you know, trying to keep the kids under control. And there was me trying to have my deeper, meaningful moment connecting with the nature and Theodore Roosevelt's ideas, while all around me there was chaos, just total chaos, which meant that it was difficult to move around the museum in an efficient way. And I was already sort of a bit, almost an hour behind schedule. And so I sort of debated with myself. I stood there thinking, am I going to do this? Because it, it, I'm not going to have much time. Uh, in the end, I bought my ticket and I thought, right, I'm going to do this efficiently. And uh, I wanted to see some of the IMAX movie uh, features that they have there. So there, there are these like cinemas in the museum and you can go in and watch these spectacular movies and they have different movies about different things like they have movies about sort of the origins of uh, all the different species of, of, of uh, animal on earth and, and the movie takes you all the way from the very beginnings of life on earth to the present day, going through all of the different changes that have occurred through the process of evolution over mind-boggling um, expanses of time, like incredibly long periods of time. The, you know, and, and this is just the period of time in which life has existed, including you know, these sort of single-cell life forms, these basic sort of carnivorous fish, and then, you know... Um, the, the, the reptiles and mammals and and birds and things and uh, and and all the way up through to um, you know humans and all the other species that exist now that period of time is really quite small compared to the history of the universe from probably what you know what we think is the beginning of the universe or what scientists believe to be the beginning of the universe the the big bang or this moment where all matter suddenly just ex started expanding from a very small, tiny little point. It's suddenly the universe just poof, it started expanding, and it's been expanding ever since. The, the the I don't know how long it's been. I don't know how long it's been since the universe began. I think that you know astrophysicists do have an idea. They've they've sort of carbon dated the universe somehow. I'm not sure how they've done it, um, but that period of time is just my it's so long compared to the time that we are used to calculating like minutes hours days years decades centuries millennia um you know ages even the the life of a person we might we might consider that to be long that is an absolute blip a tiny little uh you know invisible little blip in the context of the history of the universe. And so anyway, I wanted to see a film like that, some sort of impressive documentary, as well as to check out some of the other exhibits like the dinosaur fossils and the dinosaur statues and other things like that. And, and not to mention that all of the stuff they have in the space center. Oh, just, I love it. I absolutely love that stuff. Um, and I, so I thought, right, okay, I don't have much time. Let's prioritise. Let's go to the IMAX cinema and ha check out the, the, the documentary that they've got. And it, it took me about 15 minutes to, to get to the cinema because I kept getting lost. It's really confusing. And so I was like walking through all these different uh, sections of the museum trying to find the cinema. It's like, okay, I walked through about probably about a thousand 
years of human civilization in about five minutes trying to find the cinema. It's like, all right, just get, just get through the. Get through the medieval period. Just get through the Stone Age. That's it. Get through the Japanese Edo period. I got through all of these different, like, parts of the world and different parts of human civilization, like all these different extinct animals um, and all that stuff. And then eventually found the cinema. The movie was playing in fifteen minutes, so I thought, well, I better start queuing up. And so I queued up, and you know, waited for the movie. I lost another half an hour. And then I went in and the, the movie they were playing was about a 40 minute film exploring America's national parks, including a large section on on Yosemite National Park. And it was in 3D and it was a brilliant documentary, about 40 minutes and, you know, amazing swooping shots, uh, exploring the different parks, probably done with the helicopter. And the whole thing was narrated by Robert Redford. And it was really great to listen to Robert Redford's voice. And there was, you know, exploration of the geological um, nature of the park and, you know, how these incredible mountains and lakes and things were created um, and fascinating. But essentially what happened was, um, you know, I, because I had to queue and it took me ages to find my way around and because it was so crowded and I couldn't move around quickly. Essentially, uh, I... I um, I paid I paid $22 to get into the museum and um I spent about 40 minutes watching a film about a park that I actually visited last year. Uh so it's basically 22 pounds for a 40 minute movie about a park that I'd or- I've already been to. Does that make me an idiot? Um I don't I doubt it. I don't think so. I don't think I'm an idiot. Am I? Who know only 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 other people can tell me. I suppose. Um, But it did feel a bit stupid that I kind of, my two and a half hours, like the majority of that time was spent queuing or getting lost or trying to to squeeze past groups of school children uh, and trying to avoid parents who were stressed out. I saw one guy, a father, who was like really on the edge. He really, really was. He, He was really on the edge and, you know, he was really getting his knickers in a twist. He was he was trying to um, navigate his way through the museum with his children in tow, and uh, he was like, you know, like kind of going, "Come on, come on, come on!" The movie's starting in fifteen minutes. Oh god! Oh god! I actually heard him say that. I heard him say, "Oh, oh god! Oh god! Oh god!" Like that. And I thought, "Oh my god! Is that what it's like to have kids?" Oh my goodness. Um. Anyway, right now that's that's been an hour, nearly an hour and 15 minutes. And I did say that I would stop after I'd done that much time. So I think I'm going to stop here. That was a heavy dose of rambling there. And I wonder if you noticed idioms and phrasal verbs, okay? I said that there would be five phrasal verbs and five idioms. Now, we haven't finished because I'm going to record another episode in which I talk about some other things. Um, But... um, So I didn't get through all of the idioms and phrasal verbs. I'll tell you what I did. I did two of the phrasal verbs and I did two of the idioms. Okay, I think I will tell you which ones I did. So that meant there are still... uh, One, two, three... There are still still three idioms left and there are still three... Wait a minute. Huh? 
Did that? Okay, sorry. There are still three idioms left and still three phrasal verbs left. They'll come up in the next one. But let me tell you the phrasal verbs and idioms I did before we close this episode. By the way, has it been? Have you enjoyed listening to another episode of the podcast? I hope so. I hope it was worth the wait. I understand this one's been a bit of a, 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 a sort of a what? It's been a bit of a random one, hasn't it? You know, because I've been just talking, 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 talking. I, I've drunk too much coffee. Um, and also, I'm, I'm excited because I've nearly finished all my exam marking. I, I still haven't finished it. The plan was to finish uh, all the marking and then do the podcast. And I thought, no, I'm, no, I need to do the podcast now. Otherwise, my, uh, my head's going to explode. I need to get this stuff out there. Anyway, so the two phrasal verbs you, you may have heard in there were, the first one was to come through. No, 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 I didn't say that one. Sorry about this. Slightly, slightly shambolic here at the end of this episode, but it's free, isn't it? This podcast is free, so you're definitely getting your money's worth uh, in this one. <laughs> so I used one phrasal verb, and it was to come up against something, come up against difficult things. Do you remember hearing that? There may have been other phrasal verbs, but you certainly should have heard that one. To come up against. Um, Problem. So I was talking about The Revenant, and in that movie, Leonardo DiCaprio comes up against lots of difficult things, like he has to have a fight with a bear, he has to deal with the freezing cold temperatures, he has to have a fight with a few Native American people, he has to fight with some uh, some other people, all these difficult things, all these problems he, has, he comes up against. So if you come up against a problem, or come up against a difficult thing, or even come up against competition, it means that you meet or these things come to you, right? You meet these problems, these problems arrive while you're doing something, you come up against problems. All right, so problems come, problems arise, you come up against the problems. All right, okay. Um, And uh, then two idioms, one of them was don't get your knickers in a twist. Did you hear that? To get your knickers in a twist. I think I said that the, uh, the dad in the museum really was he was really getting his knickers in a twist so if you get your knickers in a twist it means you get all stressed out and upset about something you're getting all stressed out and upset okay stressed out upset or angry don't get your knickers in a twist and it's it's a british english expression really um your knickers are your underpants um and uh, if you get your knickers in a twist, you can imagine that they get all twisted up. And then you're like, ooh, you're all twisted up and angry. Don't get your knickers in a twist. So he was really getting his knickers in a twist, this guy. And I, I sort of, I was, I was watching. I was watching him and listening to him. But I was trying to be discreet. I didn't want it to be obvious that I was sort of observing him. Um, I think that's probably the right thing to do. I wanted to say something to him. I wanted to say to him, mate, I understand you've got kids. It must be stressful. But you're in the Museum of Natural History. Chill. (laughs) Find your neutral space. Uh, Be cool, man. Look at the dinosaur fossils. Slow down. It's only only an IMAX movie about a a national park. Now that's probably easy for me to say. It's I'm sure it's much, much, much more complicated when you actually have the kids and stuff. I'm sure I'll find out when when my wife and me when we have uh, little Thompson children in the future. 
I'm sure I'm going to find it stressful as well. Hopefully I won't get my knickers in a twist, though, when it does happen. Um, What else? To be on the edge of your seat. That was the other one. To be on the edge of your seat. If you're on the edge of your seat, it means you're really, uh, really involved in something. And it's usually when you're watching something. If you're watching a film, you're watching uh, a TV show, maybe you're watching a play. And if you're on the edge of the seat, it means that you're... It's like you're really excited and really engaged and captivated by what's happening. The thing you're watching is really um, dramatic and exciting. And, you know, you're not sitting back. You're not sitting all the way back in the seat, relaxed. Um, Everything's fine. I'm calm and relaxed in the, you know, chilling, sitting back in my seat. Now you're right up sitting on the edge of your seat. Oh, my God, this is exciting. Like that. Okay. And I think I said that when I was talking about watching the movie, I was watching The Revenant on the flight and I was on the edge of my seat. I wasn't literally on the edge of my seat because you, can I speak English please properly? Anyway, uh, because uh, on a flight, obviously you don't get any space. You can't sit on the edge of your seat. There's, There's not enough space. So I was, you know, metaphorically sitting on the edge of my seat. Okay, so that was one phrasal verb and two idioms. There, are, Of course, there were other phrasal verbs and other idioms in that episode, and I will let you sort of uh, just identify them, uh, identify them yourself of your own accord. Um, but that's it for this episode. I'll continue in the next one. I think I'll start recording it now, although it might be a good idea to just uh, go back and finish the, the exam marking and uh, do this tomorrow. Uh, Other things I wanted to talk about, which I hope to do in the uh, next episode, would be stuff like the American elections, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders and stuff like that. I'd like to say a few things about that. Also, the London mayor. So London has just recently uh, elected a new mayor. Sadiq Khan is his name. And so that's a big story for London. And also... The European referendum is coming and it's about time I talked about Brexit on this podcast and I'm fascinated by Brexit and I've been meaning to talk about it on this podcast for ages and I really want to get stuck into that topic. I think it's really important and really interesting and there's loads of language as well around it and all sorts of other things and other stuff like the Panama Papers. I had a comment on the website recently saying, Luke, I miss your stuff about politics. Can you talk about the Panama Papers? So uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about that, although those are very important political issues and I think they deserve to be covered in proper depth. So I might just devote special podcast episodes to those things. I mean, for example, Brexit, that could be a series, that could be a little series about, you know, the language of Brexit and, you know, the arguments for and against and what some high-profile people have said. There's so much to be said about that. My dad also loves talking about that subject, and he's got opinions on it. So I do plan to do some stuff about Brexit, and hopefully I can involve my dad in that in some way, because he's quite engaged in European stuff. He's interested in politics in Europe and and things like that. And I think that I could have an interesting conversation with him. Uh, And I think that I could teach you some some language, some language about politics and science and international science, political science, politics, international trade and that sort of thing. Um, Okay. Also, I'd like to talk about 
pop culture, I'd like to talk about the new Marvel movie, uh, Captain America, Civil War, the latest Marvel film, uh, the fact that there's a new Star Wars film coming out, and, uh, and all those sorts of things. Um, but that will be coming in an episode soon, I expect. Leave your comments on this this one. I'd love to hear from you. Also, don't forget to check out italki if you'd like to take your English to the next level. Go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk. Thank you to my sponsors, italki, for supporting this episode. And thank you to you for listening to it. And I will leave it there. Thank you again. And... Uh, Have a good day, morning, night, evening, uh, commute to work and that sort of thing. That's it then. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.